Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. Andrew, thanks so much for um, taking the time to chat with me today. Um, I just saw the United States versus Billie Holiday the other day, and it was so beautiful. And you really just felt immersed in the whole 1940s, 50s era that the story was set in, um, in large part due to your amazing work behind the camera, but also, you know, shooting on film, which, you know, was amazing to see. So um, my first question is, you know, you and Lee Daniels, who was the director, have worked together before on Precious and um, The Butler a few years ago. So how did this relationship begin and how did he approach you in working with him again this time on Billy Holiday? Uh, well Lee and I go back as you say to Precious which I can't remember how many years ago it's quite a long year long time ago and um, quite why it worked and how it works I don't really know it's like uh, a marriage that you sort of get to you know, you, you form a relationship bond and it can either work and it, and it becomes sort of like a, a, a love story, but together you build these things and make a life. And I think we've made lives through the films we've made. I mean, the, as you say, the Precious, the Butler, actually we did the Empire Pilot together and we were going to do a film about Richard Pryor, which didn't happen in the end. And, and then we talked about Billy for quite a number, well, not a number of years, but probably about the last four, four and a half years. And it was going to happen three, three years ago, I think. We met up in LA for supper and um, we talked about it. It was going to happen at the end of that year and, and then it didn't. But I think it, I think if I'm lucky enough to work with creative people, directors, who I can just feel, I get into, I try to get into their head, into their soul. And so the story they try and tell, I, through my, uh, what I, Simplographer uh, and uh, lucky enough to do what I do is to be able to visualize that through through influences that the directors throw at me and ideas they have, and then I can sort of uh, get inside their uh, their minds and their souls and eke out. Sometimes they can they sometimes they can really speak it and tell exactly what they want, and sometimes they can't. It just is a feeling they have, and through. This sort of relationship, I think. I think prep is really important. I think so. Yeah, is a time with a director and get into their heart and soul. So when we're on the set with the actors, the locations, and we're under under the gun, pressure-wise, time-wise, everything else, uh, that we can sort of still find its heart, find its uh, the real meaning of the storytelling. Because it's easy to just well, it's not easy ever making film, but one of the easier things is just record. Okay, we put an actor there. We got a script. We're going to tell the stories, speak the lines, do this shot, do that shot. And I think when you're lucky enough, like I'm lucky enough with Lee, that you find another layer there, another meaning, and he will he'll he'll eke out performances from actors that they don't know even know they had in this, in themselves. He'd give them through humor, cajoling, and he'd give them confidence to find who they are as the characters. And Andrew, great example, Gabby in in, uh, in Precious. And uh, I, I think he has a, a real skill in that. Therefore, for me, when the actor feels comfortable in the role that they're taking on and they become that character, then this camera thing, this camera, this lens and film in this case that I use 
that we use, me and my team, um, ekes, it, it gets into, it, it finds its connection between these great actors who, who are great performers and, and become the characters. So the camera is a character for me, the camera is a character in the, in the story and it forms a symbiosis, a relationship with the character, the actors becoming the character. So then comes one, and when the actors really trust this camera thing and, and, and hopefully me through that, as I think Andrew and I did, then they give this extra thing, extra thing, therefore through their performance and through the camera, it's the only means, of, the only means we have of telling the story apart from sound and things, but actually this is a connection from the, what's there on the day through to the audience of how millions of people around the world can see. So that's a real, for me, that's a real connection. If you can create this intimacy and get into their soul and the camera must never have an ego, but it's like part of the scene and then they feel comfortable with it and tell that story. So for me, that's what Lee and I just have this sort of understanding and it often goes unsaid. He'll just sort of describe an idea to me now. I'd run with it. He, he wouldn't have any uh, qualms about saying that's not what he meant, do something different. One of the great things also is that Lee will suddenly go off on a tangent mm-hmm. and a complete surprise, just with these actors, anybody, but uh, he won't lose sight of the story, this, the truth of the straight line of the story, but he suddenly go off on a tangent. And that takes you some other place you haven't even thought of. And it uh, tests you, uh, tests me, all of us, and excites us into another place because it's so easy in films not again not easy making films but it's so uh, common um to fall into one's so-called that comfort zone mm-hmm. and you know you're going there that we're going to be in this location this day and we're going to do this same and we're going to plan for next day next week next month and i think he will suddenly i know he he'll go off at a tangent and test everybody and then that gives it extra excitement um that you didn't quite expect um, and uh, and and so that's part of our um, relation to what we built up yeah and i mean you spoke before about the intimacy that you and lee share with the actors which you can see so clearly through their performances and the you know emotional vulnerability that you know you is so transparent whether it was Gabourey and Precious or now Andrew Day and Billie Holiday and I have to ask about what it was like working with Andrew Day because it had to have felt a bit similar to working with Gabourey and Precious because she also is very new to acting this is her first time you know taking on a lead role of a film what what is it like when you're um, approaching a project where you have to work with an actor who's never really acted before I think that it's, I mean, I, I'm in, in life, I'm, I'm a, a, an observer and I can observe without, hopefully, without sort of being quite quiet and an observer. So that's why I love doing what I do. One of the reasons I love doing what I do is I'm there with this kind of thing. And I think they, the performers, is uh, Gary and Andrew, uh, and hopefully most of the other people I work with, just feel this sort of presence, but without intrusion that we are there as a privilege and understanding of who they are and respect for them, what they're trying to do. And uh, it, it, it's, it's good. And we all go on this, especially with someone like Lee, we all go on this journey together. And, um, so therefore, I answer your question about Andrew, I think very, very early on, early meetings that we went to 
go and see a go and see a film. I think a film we saw one Saturday afternoon together with Andrew and Lee and uh, a couple of other us was, was Judy, mm. the Renny Zellweger film. And uh, just our interest, but we saw a couple of things in there we quite liked. Uh, but that, so you build up this sort of slight sort of social thing, but not get to um, don't forget who she is, who she's portraying, who I am as this observer person with this apparatus, which can be very our, our footprint as a cinematographer could be pretty large on a film. There's the lights, the paraphernalia, the crew. I mean, you know, we've got three cameras and some, sometimes there's performances. We've got a lot of lights, we've got cranes, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff. So to keep all that under control and then to keep it intimate is, is quite a challenge. And I think with, I, I hopefully I achieve that. And I, in Montreal, I had a fantastic crew who are very respectful and great uh, respect. It's also, it's, to me, what, it's certainly obvious here, but it's, it's just about storytelling. And right. uh, camera is a tool for me to tell stories. And then, so it's a, I can't tell this on my own, of course. So, you know, the, the, the writer, Lee and Andrew and all the other actors, we just get together. It becomes a sort of um, uh, organic uh, process because then we have this time. Lee, Lee has this time with the actors before we shoot anything. We set it up at the set location. And he'll take the time it takes to just bed it down, feel it, make them feel comfortable, make them feel confident. And also I'm there that, at that point to, to also feel it and go with it. And I, I think for um, but watching these performers like, uh, you know, like Andrew Gabby, who just, is, we, it's like watching a seed, a nurtured seed or a bulb that will flower into this most extraordinary plant, you know. I did, I watched it with, uh, with Whitney Houston on The Bodyguard, because she hadn't done the acting before, and, and for, to, to see this extraordinary um, thing, uh, you know, this person coming alive and becoming this sort of, before, it's, it's just tingles down the back of my spine just talking about it, it's, it's extraordinary. Yeah. It's, it's a yeah, and I forgot about, you know, that you worked on The Bodyguard. So it definitely is a pattern of you working with these, you know, non-pros who eventually, you know, became pros, obviously. Um, so that's very cool. Um, I have to ask because, you know, Billie Holiday, much like, you know, The Butler, which you worked on before, is based on, you know, something that really happened. It was based on a true story. So as the cinematographer, what sort of um, research do you undertake on your part during preparation for the film and how does that research inform you shooting the film? Uh, we, we do a lot of research also because on this, pro this particular project, Billy in particular project, uh, it had been ongoing for say four from now, it's probably from this time we're talking, it's probably like four years, four now, mm -hmm. maybe five years. Uh, but for me, it's also a pet, a pet personal project because I was brought up in North London and on a Sunday morning, my father would play Billy Holly records. So I was sort of brought up with the sound as feeling that this person could impart, you know, while we're hanging out Sunday morning or the family together things. And um, so I had this, and it was, it was always something, I wouldn't say it's like a grail, but something I, maybe one day I'll get involved with this person and this life. And uh, my father, who's now past, I, I spent you know a lot of you know a lot of time. It meant a lot to me. This project, this particular project, meant a lot to me. So I feel very lucky, very privileged that when Lisa Lee thought we might be doing it and asked me to do it, I was uh, absolutely thrilled. And so it had a deep meaning for me. But 
A uh, direct question, answer your question, is of course, once you hear about uh, a project, particularly a, a real life character, like her, uh, uh, the most extraordinary lives, uh, lives within her short life, um, then I will, I, you know, there's one particular biography, there's another one which has sections in it, which is partly where this script comes from, and listen to a lot of music, sing, watching stills, finding reference uh, photographs and films from the period. So we would try and evoke that time. Um, mm-hmm. And the decision to go with film, to me, was a sort of no-brainer because uh, the film has this sort of life texture movement within it that um, would work for this period. And whether we shoot color or black and white, because her life is so colorful that we went with color, but then within the colorful life, which is like, a facade of pretense because underneath that there's this sort of other soul thing happening so it's all like a facade so we can again with the camera hopefully we see see through all that through her eyes into her soul and find this other real real person under there so there are a lot of there's a lot of material about Billie Holiday but then it, it sort of stops and so then you go on this other personal journey to find out more and uh, talk with Lee and read the script and then um, uh, as I say, the two or three books, uh, the, the two or three, well, there's one particular really good biography, there's a couple of others. And uh, so that's, yeah, you do quite a lot. And also lighting-wise, uh, Eames, my gaffer in Montreal, and I decided to go with, all, you know, not, not so many modern lights. So there was a style of lighting, which is more like, it would feel like the period. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the, the old-fashioned key lights with the old-fashioned lens, uh, lights with Fresnel lenses, Fresnel lenses on the front, which give a certain look, uh, type of lights in the that time. So it's a, I think it's, a, it's a, um, a journey through the soul of it, a feeling of it. And then when you're there on the day when I film, I think as I said earlier, that's, I think prep is so important because you get into the, the soul of it. And then when you're there on the day, it just, the stuff comes out of you. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody feels it, everyone respects it. And then uh, the, 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 um, the, the collaboration with everybody is from the heart rather than just a job. You know, I think that's the best experience. I think this is one of those. This is one of those best experiences. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned um, the use of color and black and white because that was a moment, sort of recurringly, was going on throughout the film that really struck me, where you sort of seamlessly transitioned from real archive, archival footage that you used throughout the film, whether it was like crowds outside or just, you know, of city life. And then it would sort of transition back into the actual film, but it, the, the actual film would be black and white for a couple seconds before going back into color, um, which obviously happened throughout the film. So can you talk a little bit about the decision-making process behind utilizing that archival footage and having it blend in pretty seamlessly? with the film when you return back by going black and white for those few first seconds? Yeah, absolutely. It's a very tricky one to pull off because as I said earlier, you want to immerse the audience in this time and not, and not uh, depart from it. It's almost like you go into a hot tub or something, or just some the womb, if you like, uh, immersing yourself inside there. And so it's a difficult thing to then jump out and look at archival footage because that can be slightly, um, become a slight sort of 
a barrier or you're looking something you're looking back at something but i think it works in this instance we we shot some when we're shooting we shot some um footage on 60 millimeter uh on a, on a clockwork 60 millimeter bolex camera uh which they transferred into black and white we shot in color because they have a choice of color black and white or, or go from color black and white black and white color and then it's interspersed with that lee and jay the editor uh, found quite a lot of archival footage. Some of it was black and white and colorized. So then we go from uh, the color fade, uh, um, uh, you know, um, what's the word? Uh, fading out the color mm-hmm. is a word for that. And um, and and, uh, and then transitions go in. So you, the overlapping sound pictures of this time and place and seeing real people in the real time. I think it then it does give you another dimension of what else is going on in the in the world at that time. So we we planned quite a lot of that shooting, and then Jay, uh, the editor, Jay Varanovitz, um, took it and ran with it. There were quite a few versions in the edit that I saw when I was doing the DI that when they were sort of deciding how to make that work, whether it was going to work, and. Uh, the, the journey to find the key to that. It's quite difficult because it could easily just slant the wrong way and take the audience out of it. Something you look at newsreel or something, which is like, um, you know, what, you, you, what, for me always as a cinematographer is to lose that space between the camera and for this is the audience. So the, the camera is a character, but also the camera is an audience member, which is a double-edged thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, but hopefully, you know, as well as try to achieve. So you, you don't want any barriers between the audience and the story. You want to take, get the audience into that moment and find, find, find themselves in these rooms, in these venues, in the, in the heart of these people. Mm-hmm. And so the, to go back to your question about the archival footage is to suddenly put a barrier in. So you have to really make sure the audience are feeling that. So the, the shots have some movement in them. They're not just like, Okay, it's a static shot like the old newsreels were sometimes. Yeah, she's there in time and place. Um, and another moment, which I think was just one of the strongest and most emotional moments of the film, in large part due to your, um, you know, shooting work, is the lead up to hearing Billy sing the song "Strange Fruit" for the first time, yeah. um, which is you know when she's high and is seen roaming through these different rooms, and for a moment you see her imagining this lynching, which was the inspiration behind. Um, her really championing, championing that song, Strange Fruit. So what was it like sort of approaching that sort of sequence, preparing for that, and for also handling that delicate material with the lynching moment? It was it was extremely delicate and very, really very tricky. And Laura, we, we were all very moved by shooting it. Uh, and again, like I said just now, we, we, the, the people present, the crew, the, the the, all the people making uh, the whole team, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, people making it. So they, everyone felt it. So the concept was there from very early on that Lee and I wanted to try and do this all in one shot from her getting off the bus uh, and overhearing some strange noise, strange noise, going across and finding the burnt out shack, going across, lynching. And she, she is, so the question really is she really seeing this? Is it real? Is she just like, is it taken somewhere else? But the inference is that she is really seeing it. She backs away. And as you know, as you know, because you've seen the, the sequence of the film, that she goes into the shack and there's this journey through her own 
imagination, her own life, uh, the black communities, life of terrors and uh, you know there's a whole many many aspects many layers of um, lives going on within this one sequence so the challenge is there bearing in mind we were shooting in Canada and Montreal is to first of all find a shack that would work that because that that place existed on the, on this location to find that and also the exterior of it that would then work for the lynching scene this sounds a bit sort of cold and, dis and, and dispassionate, but I think to make, it's like making a cake or, or the most wonderful thing in the world is that you have to find the right ingredients. And I think when you're prepping a film, you have to put these right ingredients in the right place and, find them, and then mix them all together. So to find the shack and the location for the lynching, um, we looked at a lot of places around Montreal to find the right thing. So once we did, and the tree was there, the, actually, there was actually a burnt out building oh. uh, by Charles, which also gave us a key, the right type of tree. And it sounds a bit so clinical, I'm talking about it now, but there's a feeling behind all this, there's a soul in it. And then uh, alongside that was the shack, which actually did, did exist, and where she runs from running away from the lynching, where she pushes Jimmy Fletcher away and goes into this building. It's all one shot because this building has a moment of respite there and terror. And it goes off through this building, which is like a labyrinth, a maze, uh, taking it through all these experiences of her, her own imaginings, her terrors, other people's terrors. But through our work, that through through the concept, the idea of it from Lee, mm -hmm. and us looking at other films and ideas, is that Dan Durant, the designer, and I worked out, and our teams, of course, we're not one man bands our teams with my grip electric and his team of dresses and so, so we went through this house hill shack we turned corners and back on ourselves so it felt like a big lamp labyrinth but actually a very tiny place so as we turn a corner the guys would then move another wall in another curtain in mm -hmm. to make it look like somewhere else so the time we came back and we changed lighting so above us was lighting rig so through a series of dimmers and lighting changes lighting color changes we changed the mood from one room to the next room as she goes through this maze um, and then, but also tied in with that, of course, is to make sure that we give Andrew the freedom. We don't tell her to, oh, you've got to hit this mark and do that. You've got to stand there. Because once she's in there, she has to feel it. She can't, um, I mean, she's wonderful and, and understands technicalities, but I would never want to tell an actor, oh, you've got to do this, got to do X, Y, or Z, that she um, was given the free reign. Uh, even if she went to a different room, it wouldn't matter because uh, we just made sure we followed and my, my, my guys would um, be able to adjust the light on the dimmers and the, the people moving the set pieces around. So she went through all this and back out actually the same spot that she came in at, but you'd never recognize it because they changed the set dressing by then. And then went through this other, she gets a little bit of uh, redressing by Miss Freddie and Rosalind. And actually that's the transition that takes us through the red curtain onto the Carnegie Stage Hall. So we all did that in the, in the shack as well. And outside through the red curtain, the creators, they would not get like inside the shack at like a 2K or a park hand or something simulated a spotlight. And as, the, as that flares up, then that takes us to a huge venue inside in Montreal in the city, which we uh, that was simulating um, uh, uh, Carnegie Hall for her performance of Strange Fruit. So it, it's, a, it's a real, well, that, the best situation to any of the filmmaking process is the collaboration of everybody working as one 
that's being steered by the, the person at the helm, in this case is Lee, and working with his vision and his vision in tied in with Andrew's performance and storytelling. So I think it's one of those situations where everything came together beautifully. And we did a, probably like uh, four or five takes, but I think we nailed on the same take. Um, and uh, it, 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 so that, they, they were the challenges, find the right place, find location. Having found it and then setting up uh, the set within it, it was on that location, interior is on the same as the exterior. Uh, and then making that work, lighting changes, set dressing, different colors, and different moods within it. Right. I mean, it was just beautiful to watch that whole sequence play out, especially you know culminating in her performing the song, which you know this real this story is really all based on with you know the sting operation against her. Um, it was awesome. Um, I do want to um, ask you about a couple projects that you're currently working on that's coming out soon, if that's all right. Um, so I know, you know, with Billie Holiday aside, this year's looking like we'll be seeing a lot of work on your part. Just last weekend, um, Flora and Ulysses was just released on Disney Plus, which you also shot. Um, and this summer, a new version of Cinderella is coming out, directed by Kate Cannon. Um, would you be able to share a little bit about Cinderella and what it was like working on that project? Uh, yeah, it was a departure because I literally came back from uh, Montreal one day we wrapped on that like a Monday night and I came back and started prep on a Wednesday in, in London for, with Kay and, uh, and, and again that's another departure for me because I think what, what very easy for cinematographers to get typecast uh, like actors do, and think that that guy, that person, that that's the sort of film they do. They do like Gosford Park, they do Madison George, uh, Warfare, that They can easily slot you into these things. So for me, it, I always want to keep the ball in the air and do different types of projects. So to do a, a, a like a sort of spectacular musical thing is quite different from Billy, which had literally just come off of. And before Billy was uh, Florian Ulysses, which is a, a, a ten-year-old girl with a. Um, a fake squirrel, if you like, fake squirrel which actually looks real. So it's like yeah. a whole new new departure. So I'm always looking for different things to do. So that was exciting itself. And um, and Kay, I, I hadn't met before, and uh, we we went off on this journey. And again, she is a different type of person who is uh, a natural writer. Um, she's a natural performer, so she would she would get out of everybody a different sort of uh, performance and ideas, quite sparky and uh, this journey and a, and a, a classic story. I mean, I did a, a Cinderella like twenty years ago, I think. Um, uh, Ever after with Drew Barrymore, mm -hmm. and um, so again, it was a little bit of a challenge for me to do a different sort of Cinderella with a lot of a lot more. You know, it's a musical basically, and. Um, and uh, these characters, and so I think it was, and then, and again, I I love I love to use a lot of color, and uh, the camera moving all the time. So I think it, it, for me it was a, a special uh, departure. Right, and you know it's not going to be Disney Cinderella. It's a you know Sony's doing it. So I think I think a lot of us are definitely very intrigued to see what sort of new vision that this studio will bring to the Cinderella story that we all know so much from being Disney. Yeah. Um, so um, I know you talked about this right before we started, but you're also working on a Gosford Park 
movie coming out. And I, I'd love to know how that's currently going, the preparation for that. But also, you know, I know that with this new Gosford Park movie and also um, a film which you recently wrapped, Text for You, which stars Priyanka Chopra and Celine Dion. These were all made during, you know, this time of the COVID pandemic. So what's it been like working on, you know, projects, um, especially now? And can you share a little bit about each of these two films? Yeah, of course. It's an it is an extraordinary time. I and mean, it's near almost a year now. It's, it's towards the end of February. And we, uh, the movie I was on in mid-March last year, we wrapped like on a Saturday night, suddenly middle of March, that uh, we went in hiatus on it. And um, so that was, and, and here, here we are still 11 months later. In fact, the news here today in the UK, we heard it's going to finish by our, our hopefully it was going to finish by the end of June. So to work on movies, uh, while the pandemic is still prevalent, is a huge um, privilege actually because there's so many people who can't work and are in, in trouble. So you always have to feel a humbleness, a humility about being able to practice one's craft and earn a living and feed, feed one's family. So the actual practice of making a film, Text for You was really the first one uh, with Jim Strauss. Um, directing is a lovely lovely guy i'd never met before i met him on, on skype or zoom and we uh we hit it off straight away and uh he he rewritten this story which was actually originally from a book and then became a movie in germany uh, and then they decided to translate it which he, he did and priyanka and sam Hewen and celine dion um uh, and uh, so but that the practice of shooting it was quite extraordinary that everyone is, everyone's keeping their distance on a film set which is for such a collaborative close-knit community is quite something and so everyone to keep their distance wearing gloves and masks and but still be able to create something out of this sort of separation you know because you're the, you're, you're, in a, you're in a close environment with everybody and you're trying to get together and we we thrive on you know, it's like theatre, we thrive on um, being close to other people and creating the magic we do create that is uh, very close and collaborative. So to do that in these circumstances was extraordinary. It didn't really, I don't think it really held us up very much. It's just a communication with mask on is quite odd to say the least, um, because you, I think in, in a human, like I'm looking at you now, you're looking at me. And I think so much of what we're, we read from each other is through the mouth right. and we see the eyes. Now, on, for me, the cinematographer, I'm always looking at the eyes because that's the key to the soul in, from, the, from the camera's point of view. But also we look at mouths and you know how one's expression. Therefore you can't <laughs> spend your whole day with like 60, 80, 100 people and you can't see their mouths, you know, right. it's weird. And his voice is disappointing. So you're, you're going off the journey. So actually it worked extraordinarily well. And I was very surprised because I hadn't, obviously it was my first um, time on a movie during the COVID time. And uh, it didn't, wasn't really much slower. I think we just had to take more breaks, make sure that you're, you're uh, hydrated and uh, careful and make sure that everybody's got their, um, we, we were tested and that stuff. And then now, uh, I finished that about three or four weeks ago and I'm going to prep and another film and our office space which is kind of spacious but we all wear and, and our scouting we all wear masks again keep our distance <laughs> this film having had 
experience the text feed. So it's, it's, it's let's say, I think the, the most extraordinary thing is that you have to read people and what they mean and say through what they're saying rather than reading their expressions. And, uh, you know, sometimes to have a cup of coffee, sip of coffee, someone give the director on text for you to take his mask off and suddenly I suddenly see this person and didn't recognize, you know, and a whole new character comes out. Um, but it was, um, it's good. I just hope and pray that it, it won't last too much longer. A lot of people have been hurt. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's the, the world will change forever. And I think that the cinema will change forever. Um, cinema, you know, cinema going, but also films that we make. It's like, it's like, um, you know, it's supposed to be on holiday, Billy Holiday. That should have been coming out of cinema this weekend. Right. You know, and uh, with Paramount, and I, I think, and I don't know the details, but of course, because mm -hmm. it was made as an indie, Paramount bought it, and they decided to offload it to Hulu, and of course now it's on a, and it's a, it's a, it's a big movie. We shot widescreen, anamorphic lenses film, a lot of great music, and there it is. Uh, nothing against modern day TVs, but and one day TV sound systems, but it needs to be seen on the cinema. So, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a challenge for all of us. And um, so that's our, uh, it's, it's a, the before, during and after. And also like in, 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 in prep now, I've had like three Zoom meetings today for to visual effects, storyboarding, and you're trying to do this on Zoom with different people in different, you know, their homes, offices, and it's, it's you know, it's a, it's a, making films is a collaboration of human minds and you get together and you sit around a table and sit on a film set and you are on a location and you do this, these things together and to suddenly be separate, it's a, it's, a, it's a wonder that we can still do it. I think that's a, that's a great, um, uh, what's the word, an accolade or a great, um, you know, wonder, wonderful thing that everybody can still through experience so there we are it's, right. a, it's a separation of something which is so intimate making films suddenly you're separate and i think that is, I, and i think the, these films may well have a certain these films that are made this this past year and a half it'll be or a certain feeling or look to them and there will be film school film school students in 10 20 30 years time discussing these films and saying why are these have a slight different feeling to them but, you know, I think the silver lining in all of this is that we're going to see a lot of work from you this year between Flora and Ulysses that just came out, Billie Holiday's coming out this Friday on Hulu with a couple other projects you have coming out later this year. Um, it really is looking like it'll be um, a great year for you and for seeing your work. So, um, Andrew, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. It's great for everyone. And I'm really, uh, I'm thrilled to be able to help and have give you some information. So yeah, uh, I'd be keen to see it. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe to the Hollywood podcast for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwind. Thanks for listening.